So Money Episode 669, the best of 2017, women, work, and money. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It is the moment you've all been waiting for. Well, maybe not, but hopefully this gets you excited. Guys, I'm launching a money course in partnership with the very smart people at Investopedia.com. I'm launching a major soup to nuts money course that's targeted at young professionals who want to make the most of their money. So do you want to squash those student loans, catch up on savings, earn more money? maybe buy a house or just negotiate a better lease on your rental. My nine-module money course arrives early January. To be the first to register for the course and receive a special So Money discount, go to SoMoneyCourse.com or if you don't want to leave your cell phone right now, just text me. Text So Money Course, that's one word, to 44222. That's So Money Course, one word, to 44222. Hope to see you. Welcome back, everyone. Merry Christmas, December 25th, 2017. To those celebrating, hope you are having a festive day around family and friends. Hope you're enjoying the day with loved ones and finding time to relax because you deserve it. This is our third show dedicated to reviewing the best of the year. And today we're focusing on the intersection of women, work, and money. This topic came up a lot in 2017, as you can imagine. It was an historical year for women. Starting back in January, we had the Women's March on Washington, which was reportedly the biggest single-day demonstration recorded in our country's history. Then late in the year, the hashtag MeToo movement and outpouring of women's accounts of sexual harassment in the workplace led to a number of high-profile and highly paid men losing their jobs over overwhelming claims of sexual misconduct. Call me an optimist, but I sort of feel like the new year has got to see an uptick in female hires and promotions. Am I right? But to bring this all back to the podcast and the goal of So Money, you know, here we try to bring stories and strategies that can help us all conquer our financial challenges. And often we talk about the place where money comes from, and that is our jobs, work. Deepa Parshathaman is the managing director of the Deloitte Women's Initiative, and she joined me back in March, episode 553. She is tasked with the important and great job of building opportunity, enrichment, and new thinking around talent and inclusion in the workforce so that all leaders, especially women, can thrive. Now, she and I had a massive conversation in the spring about women in the workplace, and here is an excerpt where she addresses some of the controversial advice out there that women should, you know what, just learn how to make peace or at least play along with some of the male-driven standards at work. How do you react when people promote, and I say people, like career experts and leadership experts often quote from the male playbook, the male corporate playbook? Um, People criticize lean in for that in in some aspects. How do you reconcile that in the workplace when clearly you're a woman and you're not a man? What's the balance there? 
Hey, you know, it's funny. I think it's one of those things where earlier in my career that used to bother me, I used to really wear a big chip on my shoulder on why are people seeing me as, you know, younger? Why are people seeing me as, you know, all these, uh, you know, as a woman first, and that's not how I want to be seen. I think over time, I've really learned that that's really more about me and not necessarily, I'm sorry, I should say that's more about them, not about me, um, and really kind of been able to put a boundary around myself as a result of that. Um, I also, you know, have definitely had discussions with other women. Do you, you know, do I spend Sunday watching football so I can go have a conversation about that and be part of the, you know, the, the water cooler talk. And I've chosen not to, I think there's really, there's a lot of different perspectives on it. And my advice to people is I don't think one is right or wrong. I think you have to find what works for you. For me, those weren't things that interest me. So I didn't really want to play the game or adapt to a male style. That wasn't who I was. Um, I found ways to do things in a way that was authentic to me um, that felt good for me and find ways to connect with people. I think a lot of that dialogue is about relating to people, um, you know, and, and getting people to connect with you so that they open up and that you trust each other and you can work better together. And I think if you emphasize or find other ways to connect with people that are truly authentic to you, it doesn't have to be on a male, female sort of, you know, traditional or stereotypical line. But at the same time, there are gender differences. But do you see a a time and place in the corporate world, just like we're sort of seeing in other realms of life, this sort of uh, gender fluidity that we're just not going to start seeing each other as men, women, and therefore stronger, weaker, different. That would be the you know, I, great I ideal think, place to be <laughs> in the corporate space. Yeah, it'd be a great ideal place to be. I think, I guess, I, you know, it's, it's for me, it's, it's, yes, we have to acknowledge some of that happens, but I also think that there's a real value in playing to your strengths or really um, figuring out what works for you and really emphasizing that. So I'm not suggesting it doesn't happen. I'm not suggesting, um, you know, that it doesn't exist. I just think that rather than placing energy and trying things that aren't you, I'd rather play to ways that work for me and um, place my energy there. doesn't work for everybody, but it has worked for me and it's made me happier and a better leader as I do that. Now, listening to all of this, I'm left wondering that even when you play to your strengths as a woman who works and who may want to have a child while working, the fact is you need to navigate a whole number of things that can impact your profession and your bottom line. For starters, should you take time off from the workplace to have a family, to raise a family? Liz Ann Stromberg was a guest in February, episode 535, and she is the author of Work, Pause, Thrive. And in this excerpt, she offers some strategies around answering this hot button question. Going back to helping somebody who's contemplating taking time off and being strategic. So many of us decide to take time off to be with our families because it comes down to the economics and you dedicate a whole chapter to money in your book. What should the math look like? And because you're not just losing a salary, potentially you're losing the ability to invest in your retirement account. You might lose some of your healthcare benefits, potentially, I don't know, depending on your setup uh, prior to it. And of course, you're, you're not paying into social security. So there's that. And as women, we're living longer. We have to take better care of ourselves financially. So how do you reconcile all of that and do the right math? 
So it's a really important question. And the answer is it's really hard to pause and actually maintain a lifetime income, right? I mean, if you're actually going to take yourself out of the paid workforce, you're going to lose all of the things you suggested. You're going to lose access to your social security or, you know, inputting to your social security. You're going to lose that daily income that you get. You're going to lose all the things that having an income matters and, and is so important. And so doing this is very important that you're being strategic. But let me pull back and start with a big message, which is so many of the women I spoke to said, well, I'm the one who left my career because my husband was A, making more money than I was. And so I, we figured that my salary against childcare, it was more expensive to have childcare. Well, fine, except for both of you are actually parents of those children. So both of your salaries should be applied against that childcare. So that's one thing I ask a lot of women to reconsider. The problem, of course, is with the next, this kind of next generation millennials, many of them have big student loans. And then on top of that, horrible childcare expenses. And they're forced to leave because they can't afford to do both. It's a real problem. It is. And there's actually a website. I'll put it on the blog later for listeners where you can go and calculate your potential loss of earnings over time if you leave work for, you know, six months, six years, whatever it is. It's it's really good to put things in perspective. But I I was just saying so, today. So I did for news to yeah. interrupt you, I did that. One point mm-hmm. six million. I lost one point six wow. million by being a workforce for five years. So that's a lot of heck, a lot of money. (laughs) And so, you know, I mean, in in my lifetime, that's a big, tremendous hit. And uh, so I am encouraging women to be really smart about it. Now, do I have regrets about making the choices I did? No, for me, ultimately, it was the right decision. But if I had spent the time to have done the analysis in advance, I might have done it differently. I might have handled it in a different way. Right. I mean, money isn't everything, but it is an important part of the calculation because um, so often well, we start there. We, that's where we start, well, you know, we look at the economics. Right. And, you know, and so many of the women I spoke to who struggled with their decision to have actually pulled out of the, or downshifted their careers, they ended up divorced or their husband lost their jobs. The economic security that they had when they had that partner who could provide the health care and could provide that foundation for whatever reason went away. And, when it goes away, what do you do? There's no safety net there if you've been out of the paid workforce. So being really smart about how you're going to handle it and what you're going to do. So one of the things, for example, I did is I always continued to give into my IRA at the top amount possible. So at least I knew even while I was out of the paid workforce, I was still providing for my retirement. So I, I knew that that was really important. I also did insurance. I maintained my own insurance so that if something were to happen to me, my family wouldn't be completely, you know, traumatized financially. Now, speaking of retirement, I want to transition to Sally Krawcheck, who is a friend of the show. She's been on a couple of times, founder of Elevest, an investment platform for women, a Wall Street veteran. She's also an advocate for women in the workplace and gender equality. Here is Sally talking about how having less money can mean feeling less empowered at work, followed by a conversation about weighing the costs of risk-taking at work and in life. You've mentioned how we need to recognize that money means power, which Mm -hmm. sort of also feels Mm -hmm. masculine in that definition. You know, seeing money as this powerful thing to take over, to dominate. What do you mean, Sally, by power in that context? Well, 
first of all, we're in a capitalist society. And so you can start with the it's the way of, of score. So to back up, I mentioned earlier, and there, there seems like there's a slight paradox. There is not. I mentioned earlier, women, we women have so much in the way of financial resources that we can use and wrecked and, and reward companies that are acting the right way and punish companies that are not. However, on an individual basis, we women don't have as much money as men do. And there are all kinds of studies on this. But one one example, which you'll know, of course, very well, is women retire with two-thirds the money of men in general, despite the fact we live longer. I call I call closing the gender money gaps. And, and of course, as you know, I'm particularly interested in the gender investing gap. The best career advice women aren't getting. Why? Because do you feel better going into your boss's office to ask for the new assignment if you have more money in the bank or less, to ask for the overseas assignment, to ask for the new hotshot, to leave the, the company because the boss is a jerk and start your own business, to leave the relationship with the boyfriend or girlfriend who was so nice five years ago and now is acting like a jerk themselves. You know, money gives us, and I don't have to convince you, degrees of freedom. Money gives us power. And while that may be a masculine word, the concept of that freedom and the ability to live the lives we want to as, a, as you know, instead of being hemmed in, I can't leave this marriage because if I do, um, my standard of living will go down a double digit percent and his will go up a double digit percent, right? Those are, that, those are traps. Those are traps. And I firmly believe that more women need to make more because if if money means power, then it can mean that as women, because that's just our nature, we will use that power to help people, to help our loved ones, not to take over necessarily, mm. but to provide, oh. to serve. For women having more money, whether they're closing their gender money pay gap. Um, and, and another thing the book points out is, you know, when I used to go ask for a raise. I had to just sort of say, Hey, can I have a raise? You know, now there's so many resources out there for knowing how much I should be getting paid, you know, whether it's pay scale or get raised or, or any of these things, um, closing our gender gap, our gender investing gaps, closing these gaps is absolutely good for women. We know that it's good for our daughters. There's research that indicates that if we are out there and working, our daughters make more money over the course of their lives. It's good for our families. It puts more money into into our families. It's good for the economy. So sometimes guys, I mean, I was just on, I was just doing another interview and a, a number of guys were angry about this. There is no gender pay gap. And how dare you women? You're like, dude, dude, you know, do you know, do you have any think women that customers? I know they do. Mind boggling. But like, okay, fine. But putting more money into women's pockets, dude, do you have any women customers? Because if they have more money, they might spend more money, right? And so it's good for the economy, for society. And to your point, Farnoosh, it's good for nonprofits because women are more generous in giving to nonprofits than gentlemen are. And so there's, I can't find the, you know, it's a win, 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 but something in our psychology that if somebody else makes more money, somehow it diminishes me because I think of myself on a relative basis. There's a, there's a kink in our brains that has us think that when in fact, this is just so great for everybody. Last time you were on the show, we talked about how you, over the course of your career, have become very risk aware for obvious reasons. At the same time, you also believe that a person's biggest asset is not their investment portfolio, it's themselves. So 
marrying those two thoughts, Sally, how should we go about assessing personal risk when we want to climb in our careers, our financial lives, start a business, ultimately own it? But then there's this whole other life we're leading as well. We have kids, Hmm. partnerships. We have to constantly be reconciling risk in our personal lives. Any advice around that? Yeah. Here, here's what I would say, that we need to have our eyes open around this, that if we think about the ways business are, is changing, I talked about it, technology is changing business. And one example, Furnish, when, you know, just a handful of years ago, when I ran Merrill Lynch, I had all the information. I mean, doing client surveys was so expensive that even the number two company in the industry could not afford it. So I had the data and no one else did. Today, the information's so cheap, everybody's got it, right? Whether it's much less expensive surveys or even asking a question on Twitter, all of a sudden we've all got the information. That's a dramatic change, a dramatic change. I can talk about another change. You know, think about the changes that are going in marketing. Just a handful of years ago, marketing was all about brand building and creativity. And today it's about that plus multi-touch attribution analysis, deep data analytics. This change is happening so quickly. And so I think for some of us, we think, you know what, that idea of I am going to take career risk, maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know that I want to do that. I'm that's uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it. Well, you know what, guys, not taking career risk is taking career risk now because things are changing. And so we need to really be in the flow of what is changing, continue to stretch ourselves professionally, continue to push ourselves professionally, um, and recognize that part of this new world means that we are more likely to get fired than we were historically. That the idea, I mean, think about it today. Can you imagine anybody starting at a job at the age of 23 and retiring at the age of 65 with a gold watch? It's just not going to happen any longer. We as women take failure more personally. And part of Farnish, why I wrote about my own personal failures in the book was to try to normalize it. Look, I got, you know, you know, I got fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, by the way, twice. And I, you know, here's how I got through it. Here's how I got up the next morning. Here's what I did. Um, because failure is going to happen more often. And so I think we have to accept it. Now it gets back to what you and I talk about, which is being financially fit, you know, having an emergency fund, having the savings, having investments so that if, and more likely when that happens, you're in, in financial shape to manage through that. Sally is one of my sheroes. No question there. Rounding out our throwback to all the best interviews around women, work, and money is Alice Finn, the CEO of Powerhouse Assets. Alice offered key investing advice for women on episode 582. According to Alice, it's not how much you save, it's what you do with your money that really counts. So let's get a little philosophical, uh, turning the tables now to learn a little bit more about how your brain works and your money background. And I understand that um, you know, you're an advocate for women. And as we know, women make less than men. But the bigger problem you see is that we're not even investing or saving the money that we make. And so one of your philosophies is that it's not how much you make, but it's what you can save and most importantly, invest. So talk a little bit about that and and why you think that is more important. Because we do talk about on this show how it is important to earn as much as you can, especially women with a wage gap. Um, so, so talk a bit about that philosophy and, and how you came to it. Okay. So the way I came to it was my father 
was a diehard investor. And when I was growing up, he had a mantra, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. So, of course, I remember that in my first job. My first job, I actually worked for NASA for the space agency. And I remember I was making not very much money. Um, but I remember by the end of the, my first year, I'd save $5,000. And my parents were really proud of me because I'd save money. But um, But what I came to realize after a few years was that That's not where it stops. You have to take the money that you're saving and put it to work for you. Get it compounding. Get it growing. And that's what in the end will create wealth and the richness to be able to plan your own life so that you don't have to work for money eventually. So what I look at is the wage gap, while it's bad, it will lead to for women, you know, tens of thousands of dollars less than men. I guess it depends on what field you're in, but at least tens of thousands of dollars less over the course of a lifetime. But if you don't, if you can't invest your money or don't invest your money, that will lead to over a million dollars of lost opportunity cost. So it's just exponentially worse if you don't invest. And and what's even worse, not to get to um, morbid here, but not starting as early as possible. So you started with your first job saving $5,000. Had you invested that at that stage in your life, so much money by the time, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later. So it's really important to get this message in for young women. For the older generations, people who are, say, in their 50s, or I hear a lot of times people are approaching retirement with nothing. Is there any way for them to catch up a little bit? Well, certainly if you have nothing, you have to save some to be able to invest it. Um, Usually what I hear from people is that they feel like they're about to retire, so they shouldn't invest because they're going to need to use that money for retirement. But hopefully most people that are retiring today will will have decades to live. So the money that they need in the next two or three years, yes, you should not expose that to the market because you don't want to have to take it out if the market happens to be down when you need it. But the money that you're going to need over... Uh, you know, 10 years or 20 years, that should be invested in the market. And you should take as much risk as you can sleep with at night. And that has to do with your personality, your risk tolerance, et cetera. But you really do need to get that money working for you because you're going to need it for a long time, hopefully. What do you make of this uh, saying that women are less risky than men and as a result, don't earn as much when they invest and some of them, they're so risk averse, they don't even invest to begin with. Do you see, has that been true in your experience working with clients? I think if women haven't, don't understand how investing works, yes, they end up wanting to just keep their money safe. But once they, I sit down with them and talk with them and show them how much the investing works. And, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is I want people to start understanding that if they don't already. Uh, then they realize that getting their money to work for them is actually in some ways less risky because if you put your money in a bank account these days, it's earning nothing. So by definition, you're losing money against inflation. Mm-hmm. And the risk of that and you're not being able to retire, that's huge. So it depends on how you define risk. And I think if you read a book like Smart Women Love Money, you'll get the perspective that you need to understand that investing, of course, it involves some risk, but but it's a calculated risk. It's not like going to a casino. Um, the odds are with you when you're investing. If you, in fact, just as an example, if what I explained to people is if your grandmother or great grandmother had taken $10 in 1926, right before the Great Depression, 
and invested it in U.S. large company stocks. Today, that $10 would be worth over $60,000. And had your grandmother, great-grandmother invested in small company U.S. stocks, that $10 today would be worth over $20,000. So just think about that. The trend is up. And of course, there's going to be ups and downs. There'll be volatility. But if you have enough time, the odds are with you. And that's why it's important to get your money working for you. And that is a wrap. Thank you to Deepa, Sally, Listen, and Alice for their honesty and candor on the topic of women, work, and money. I hope you enjoyed this throwback. Remember to hop over to somoneycourse.com or grab your phone and text somoneycourse, one word, to 44222. Promise I'll let you be the first to know when my course is live and how to score a discount. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Merry Christmas and see you back here on Wednesday. Hope your day is so money.